15 minutes it is after 7 p.m. Welcome uh, to our business wrap here on Metro FM Talk. Akwana Mlamleli, Portfolio Manager, 274 Investment Managers, joins us this evening uh, to help us take a look at some of these big stories. Akwana, good evening. Gunjan. Um, good, thanks to yourself. Good evening, Ayabonga, and to the listeners. Yeah, thank you very much for joining us. Let's maybe start off, uh, Akwana, before we get into the energy issues and what's happened out in Zambia and why we're in the dark. Start in the platinum group metal sector. Uh, Northern Platinum uh, vying here for just shy of a third. And I guess if you add some of the put and call options into the play as well, uh, slightly over a third of all of the uh, equity of uh, Royal Bafukeng. Who is Royal Bafukeng? Uh, many people, I guess, might be familiar with the football club. But, um, you know, mm-hmm. who is Royal Bafukeng Holdings uh, when it comes to the world of mining and extractors? Yeah, so Royal Bafukeng Holdings is mostly an investment holding company. Um, which has some investments within the mining space and the financial services through um, its various um, acquisitions or investments in some of our asset managers. Um, and so it has a stake in a few asset managers. So it has quite a very much diverse portfolio, um, which does involve the um, rural Bafutin um, platinum within the mining space, but also, as I've indicated, in the financial space. Um, but today, obviously, the news came out in terms of Royal Bafutin Holdings, the investment holdings company which accepted um, an offer um, from Northern Platinum um, for up to a third um, of Royal Bafokeng Platinum's um, stake of about mm. $17 billion, um, which was a transaction, which hopes um, to obviously um, make um, a meaningful impact. And that's what Royal Bafokeng Holdings has always been about in terms of the community that they serve and the investments that they do hold, that the community ends up benefiting um, at the end of the day. So Royal Bafokeng Holdings... Um, will not just be, um, will be paying both sides in terms of there'll be investor, particularly in the platinum group metals and the PGMs, but also be a beneficiary in terms of the linked um, decarbonization and green business development um, with regards to renewable energy generation um, that they've obviously partnered up with uh, Northern Platinum. So this is quite a, a very much a, a communication which came out today. Mm. And as you, you would have seen in, in the past few weeks, um, with regards to another announcement, however, there was a joint um, cautionary announcement of the impeding transaction between Implat and RBPlat, which has been withdrawn um, owing to the um, dominant Royal Buffalo Gang Holdings accepting the Northern Platinum's offer of about $8.6 billion, um, amounting to about 8.7% in Northern shares. Mm-hmm. And, and when you look at, I guess, the timing of all of this, I mean, a lot of these platinum companies, cash flush, good commodity price environment. Uh, why is it that it, it seems there's a lot of consolidation that's likely to happen here? And uh, we're also hearing a lot of people talking up, I guess, the important role of PGMs uh, in the context of green hydrogen, which is seen as something that can sort of, I guess, uh, you know, uh, green many of our legacy industries. Yeah, so it's twofold, um, um, Aya. So in the communication today, the Northern CEO, Paul Dan, um, communicated that the RB um, platinum assets um, that they have um, acquired, the stake in, um, are quite well capitalized and also um, have a short um, duration in terms of years, which, they, um, which is equivalent to being young and shallow, which they obviously found quite an opportunity that they've indicated um, and gone into this venture that they did. But also they've indicated um, the, comment, the communica- commitment, um, particularly um, Northern, towards... Um, Royal Bafokeng communities, and um, particularly with regards to the sectors that 
So as we know, which we'll talk to later on mm. in some of the in, in the news with regards to Greater Mantash today, but um, it, it, it looks to provide some communities who are dependent on coal um, to help transition them into the renewable energy and transition which we um, after the communication mm. from COP26 um, last yeah. last um, last week um, with regards to the transition and the funding um, that some of the nations have provided. So this um, is a deal that um, was communicated. And however, the impact um, on the initiation that took place um, a week earlier on, um, however, has been withdrawn. Akona, I don't know if now Westcom Gwenzelezaki, but um, I think. Let's maybe pause here for a second. We need to take a quick spot break. But when we come back, uh, let's see if we can't get you on a much better line because I started to lose you there uh, at the end. But uh, yeah, certainly when we do come back, I want us to talk a bit more about uh, that uh, passing mention that you had of uh, Minister of Energy and Minerals, Kweda um, Mandashe, uh, and uh, some of the remarks he was making earlier on today. And uh, yeah, all of this, I guess, uh, happening in very, very quick and rapid succession. 22 minutes it is after 7 p.m. You tuned in to Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro. And uh, it's our wrap of the top business stories. Akonam Lamleli, Portfolio Manager, 274 Investment Managers, is my guest this evening, uh, taking a look at uh, the latest stories. And if you just joined us, uh, we're talking about uh, the uh, acquisition by Northern Platinum of uh, a third of the uh, ordinary share capital of uh, Royal Bafukeng. Uh, uh, holdings there and uh, we now shift our attention I guess uh, staying within uh, the world of mines and energy and all manner of other things Akona, um, give us some of the context I guess to the remarks that um, uh, the Minister of uh, Mineral Resources and Energy Kweda Mandashia made earlier on today that certainly have ruffled up many Yeah, Ayabonga, so Mineral Energy and Energy Minister Kweda Mandashia um, who was at a conference, particularly the Africa Energy Week conference in Cape Town, um, communicated in his speech there that African nations um, should not be um, pressured um, in, ter- in terms of abandoning um, fossil fuels, um, which um, has been obviously by the more developed markets being encouraged to be more to phase out some of the co- um, fossil fuels, particularly the likes of coal, um, in regards to the various energy sectors that do rely on um, with regards to the energy side. So he was encouraging um, the African nations um, in terms of us as a continent collectively. Um, we were not the bearers of um, carbon emissions, and we shouldn't obviously suffer um, for some of the more polluting nations, um, which he described, and also in terms of the financing that has been um, cut in terms of financing of projects um, with regards to fossil fuel has been cut down and also communicated that um, African countries should establish their own um, arms, which helps to raise capital for investments in resources such as oil and gas, particularly when it comes to the continent. But also he obviously moved away from that in terms of um, he wasn't as hesitant, but did also indicate that, yes, um, um, the transition needs to take place. Um, however, it needs to be slow um, because, as we know, um, South Africa's shift away from fossil fuel um, does um, create some challenges in terms of um, economies, particularly the likes of Mpumalanga, where communities are very much re- reliant um, on the sector, the coal sector, for their livelihood. And that this needs to be transitioned um, quite smoothly and also not impact um, such communities 
um, in a bad way. And as we spoke about last week, the likes of the U.S., Britain, and France, and Germany, um, who announced that 8.5 billion rand financing to also help South Africa to move away from coal um, and also to ensure um, the just transition in terms of um, people that do work in the industry and mm. um, can find alternatives within the greener alternatives which we are all transitioning to. As yeah. we know, um, the South African coal mining industry, um, due to a survey that was surveyed in 2020, um, employs in excess of about 90,000 um, employees, which is actually quite significant. So we do is have that to monitor. I mean, is that 90,000 directly? Yes, 90,000 directly. And you would, I guess, also have indirect um, jobs and trucking and all manner of other things yes, as well. Yes, yeah, in, mm. t- in terms of the coal mining, uh, mm. coal mining industry within the South African landscape. Um, and that South Africa should aim to use um, the funds that have been given by these nations um, to deliver, develop new sectors such as renewables and electric vehicle ma- uh, manufacturing mm. um, in order to create um, jobs within this space as coal industry um, is slowly phased out. So this is... Um, has been a balance um, where um, the minister reiterated um, African nations need to come together to find solutions, um, but also on the other hand, on, um, indicating um, that it is something that needs to be done, such African nations to, should do it at a pace that is beneficial to them, um, but also won't impact them in the long term. As you know, developed markets will be affecting certain um, barriers in terms of exporting and importing um, of goods and how these goods are made um, Mm. going forward. Talk to me about how some of the other countries have dealt with their energy crises. I mean, we were talking about a story here last night of, uh, you know, China uh, doubling doubling up on its coal imports um, after having faced some energy challenges. We heard something similar from the United Kingdom, uh, you know, saying that they are going to rejig and kickstart, you know, some of the other coal stations, I understand, have been, um, you know, decommissioned. Uh, And even... You know, a country like Australia uh, saying something similar. So I guess, you know, uh, a lot of what do you make of a lot of the criticism uh, that, uh, uh, you know, the minister here has quoted on the back of some of his remarks? uh, If you think about it in the global context that he mentions that, you know, even the countries who Mm. are encouraging us to do away entirely with coal, uh, you know, as a technology to generate energy um, are also doing the same. They're also going back to the traditional sources uh, and uh, kick-starting some of their own power stations. Yeah, so um, a lot of these countries, such as Australia and such as China, as you mentioned, um, very much um, dependent on coal. Um, I think China is about 70%, even though they are making invoices in terms of decreasing that. But um, how a lot of the nations are grappling with this in terms of they are slowly transitioning. It's not something that's going mm. to be taking effect in the next um, year or two, um, as uh, a lot of... Um, um, climate activists would like to see it play out, but they're trying to find the balance in terms of job creation, in terms of the sectors that will be hampered by this transition, should it take place swiftly. So I think nations are approaching it from a very precautionary um, point of view in terms of trying to balance out um, the need to be a, go to a greener economy, um, but also um, not affecting um, particularly sectors and job losses um, that could take place with the transition that does take place. So it's a balancing act that many nations will have to play with. And um, as Greta indicated today, it's something that won't take um, in the next few, few years, but it will be something that has transitioned, uh, mm. particularly in the South African economy. Um, however, I think within the South African landscape, um, I think it will need to be done at a faster pace due to our um, power shortages. And as we all have been experiencing in the last few weeks, 
um, the shortage and particularly the challenges that ESCOM has um, has continuously, um, and everything just seems to happen all at once. Mm. So, and 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 frustrations, um, particularly to South Africans and the economy and businesses, particularly in South Africa, are the most um, affected. And as you know, the economy is at an all-time low, and we need energy immediately. We need solutions um, that will jumpstart this economy because what is currently happening at the moment is not going to benefit us um, should it continue. I'm no longer hearing about the integrated resource plan, uh, Akona, because I guess a lot of you know what you're suggesting of tr- striking that balance. One would think that a lot of that balance would have been struck, you know, in that schedule that says here's the coal capacity we're going to decommission, here's the wind capacity, here's the solar PV capacity we are going to commission over the next while. Um, mm-hmm. And it just seems that everybody's, it, you know, it's it seems like it's an either or. It's like tomorrow all of us are greening our production processes or we're not doing it at all. Um, and I guess uh, it speaks volumes, I guess, about how strong the lobbies are on either side of this. Yeah, so, but I, remember, I think we also need to fast forward a few years ago. But in that case, this was communicated only in 2021. Um, this has been communicated to a lot of countries. Um, a lot of targets and goals were set um, in excess of five to ten years ago. Mm. Um, but I think as we come closer to the years where... Um, things need to start happening, um, we are all scrapping to obviously get ourselves in order um, in order to um, effect the changes that need to be effected in order to be part of the inclusive and globalization of the economy. So I think it's just um, us all getting our ducks in a little bit too late, um, but I think we're all just scrambling at the moment, but also trying to find that balance only now. Uh, but however, these um, agreements and communications um, have been at the forefront for a number of years. Um, but I think only now it's starting to be taken that seriously. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I guess it's one that um, is uh, very closely linked to the next story I want us to take a look at. What's this major incident that happened in Zambia? I mean, I get the power pool. I get, you know, what that means by way of the uh, transmission grid for electricity. But I'm still a bit unclear about what happened in Zambia and why it's affecting somebody who might be sitting in Randburg somewhere in the dark now. Yeah, so the story um, came out this weekend, um, particularly um, as our energy power diminished in terms of load shedding moving mm. from stage two to stage four. Um, there was communication from ESCOM and from the um, institutions of um, Zambia that the generation um, Zambia's power system um, experienced a national blackout um, due to a significant loss of generation to the country's power system. And has, as it's been communicated to by the likes of ESCOM, um, they're saying our power source is connected to various SADC regions, uh, SADC countries, um, who are members of the SADC um, group, um, excluding uh, Mauritius. Um, so this with regards to the, the South African power pool, um, which encompasses some of the SADC countries who have interlinked um, resources in terms of the power usage. So it affected um, particularly us. Um, however, Zambia had a very much a, a blackout on their side in terms of the, exper- the, the electricity um, that was lost. So as you indicated, why was an incident in Zambia um, affecting um, particularly South African load shedding? Um, according to ESCOM, they ind- indicated the in- interconnected system um, where uh, a lot of the, the, the electricity goes into a very much uh, a flow um, in, t- in terms of the system that they have. So they just indicated it's not very much clear mm. in terms of the intricacies of how this interconnectivity works. 
um, but they've just indicated we do have an interconnectivity um, level with regards to um, uh, several countries within the SADC region, um, which was established um, in the late 1969 um, with regards to various nations um, coming together in an effort to provide energy services and, and services to um, various nations within the SADC region. Um, the likes of Lesotho, Botswana, Swaziland, um, and, and Namibia. Mm. Um, so this was one of the what was what, what communicated. Um, however, as we've come to know, it's it's always um, another issue over another issue. So it, it, it is it does give us reason to obviously question what are the other um, excuses that may be coming forward. Yeah, yeah. And then last one: what's happening here with YouTube? Um, it seems now they're not only going to be a destination or a platform for brands and product providers to, uh, I guess, get influencers uh, to influence what we watch, play ads and everything else, but um, they also want to be a, a shopping platform themselves. Yeah, so YouTube, which has um, various subscribers and viewers, um, particularly um, who follow some content and influencers, content creators, um, who... Those who will watch these content creators, um, particularly when they um, showcase how to use certain gadgets, um, how to use certain beauty and cosmetic products. Um, so some of these um, creators, um, YouTube has asked to come on board because they'd like to transition um, this business model in terms of not just getting the viewers to watch YouTube, but also to become part of the experience in terms of when they watch these products from these content influencers, um, they want them not to go elsewhere to purchase the product but they want to keep them in terms of these products being purchased within the, within the YouTube stable. So this is what has been set up, which is starting, um, which they're piloting in the next week um, in terms of the holiday streaming and shopping, um, which they've gathered a, a few um, social media stars in terms of uh, launching this initiative. Um, and as um, YouTube is quite a, a, a being a global com um, company um, under the Alphabet Inc., will be making use of Google's um, platform um, in terms of the um, services, in terms of the e-commerce, in order to tap into this market um, and obviously keep these um, viewers from going elsewhere to the likes of Amazon uh, to be able to purchase what they see and what they're watching from the content influencers by buying these things within their e-commerce system and business. So they're just trying to diversify their scheme. And the likes of Facebook with regards to their Instagram They've seen um, that has worked quite nicely. Um, so I think this is just an initiative that YouTube is embarking on, um, having hired um, quite big uh, management team and executives in order to steer the ship um, as they move on to this retail, um, online retail operation, mm. which they wish and want to um, obviously enhance and make quite a big um, component of their business. Yeah, it seems that e-commerce platform, certainly after COVID-19, is going to become a very, very competitive space. Uh, and uh, we do know, I guess, the competition authorities at the moment uh, are having hearings, I understand, on um, you know uh, similar types of platforms uh, that might want to go into this uh, e-commerce, e-retailing space. Uh, and uh, yeah, certainly uh, one to watch. Uh, but we do know, of course, Akwana, that in South Africa, um, still the bulk of a lot of the shopping still happens physically. How do you get mm. more and more people onto uh, the digital platform so that it can seamlessly be part of what they do every day, which is to go on some of these platforms. Yeah, so it's, it's the value chain, Ayabonga. So um, what do you need um, in order to go online or to the internet? Um, you need access to data or um, access to Wi-Fi. And 
you need to have, be it an Android phone or an iPhone. Um, so you just need to have those foundation building blocks. Um, and a lot of South Africans, particularly um, Emakaya, um, don't have those luxuries. Those structures aren't operational um, at the moment. So you are forced to implement in Yaka and go to, or to a, shop, a shop, by for example, go to a spa. Um, but with regards to the cities, um, I think some of us have adapted and COVID has forced us to obviously make use of such systems. Um, however, I think we still like to have the feel and experience of a retail experience and going to the mall um, and being part of the whole physical experience in terms of touching what you're buying, um, be it clothes or trying on clothes. Some of us don't like buying clothes online, but as well as you're talking about COVID happens and as well as if we're big or not. So it's just those um, barriers that are still very much apparent and also the foundation stages of the, the access to just getting to that online system via data or um, internet con- interconnectivity um, that can also be a barrier. Akona, mm, mm. we're going to have to leave it here. So I'm always a pleasure catching up with you and uh, thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much, Ayabong. Akonam Lamlele is a portfolio manager, 27 for investment managers, joining us for our business wrap. Uh, we're going to take a brief break now. Kasbuya. Uh, yeah, we have your headlines. Konati Manjanja, the spokesperson at ESCOM, is my guest.